You may be seated. You know, I, there's so many things. When you're starting new, there's just hundreds of things you want to say all at once. And, you know, I've, I really felt like there was some obvious things that I just need to, need to share about today. And a friend of mine from Pat Kleist from Buffalo, he shared this scripture with me from Psalm 127, verse 1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And I think that's pertinent for us as a, as a church, that unless the Lord builds it, we're going to labor in vain. You know, you just, you can try and try in your own strength. And, and I believe we can get some things done in our own strength. But I also believe that without the presence of the Lord and his anointing and his working in hearts and lives, that we're very limited in what we can do. And as you think about it, it says, unless the Lord builds the house. And you know, I think we're all building a house, all of us. You know, we're, we're building something. You know, we're maybe building our own lives. And you can think about this on a personal level. Unless, unless the Lord builds the things in my life, I'm going to labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the things in, in our marriage, you know, I'm going to labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds my career, Unless the Lord builds the church, we're going to labor in vain. And when you think about building, um, for me, you know, you, you got to think about a foundation. You got to think about a foundation. You can, you can have a great building, but if the foundation's bad, it's not going to amount to much. And I believe that for us, I believe one of the most important things is for us to think about our foundation. As we, as we begin, as we start, as we move forward. In 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, the beginning at the ninth verse. It says, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field. You are God's building. You know, let me just share something. You know, people have said to me personally that you couldn't give that up. You couldn't walk away from that building, all that you've put into that building. And you know, you got to settle that inside yourself. I have to settle that. It's a building. It's a building. It is not the most important thing. I've preached a lot of funerals, and I've said, folks, we accumulate stuff, we get stuff, and we got so much junk that we have garage sales and we have storage units and we got junk. It's stuff. It's a building. People say, yeah, but I'm going to tell you something. It's a building. It says the people are God's field. You are the building. And I've come to the conclusion that when I go to heaven, the only thing that I'm taking with me are people. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. The investment, the work, what we see as important has to be people. And, and, you know, and sometimes we're asked to settle that. And honestly, I can say that, you know, I can walk away from a building. Am I sad? Probably. But it's a building. When we built that building, I said, 
And you know, I don't know if this is coming back to get me, but I said, you know, if it doesn't work, it'd make a great tool shed. <laughs> and I, because it's a building and it's the people that's important. We are God's building. And, you know, we say that sometimes, but you never, you never always think about getting to the point where you got to say, do I really believe that? Do I really believe that? It goes on to say, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day and will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it was. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. The foundation is Jesus Christ. You know, and, and that's not where I'm going to start today, but I want to make that real clear. That that's the foundation. He's the cornerstone. Okay? Everybody builds on that. That's what we build on. But when you think about building, you know, I've, I, you know, I really, well, you've thought about a lot of things, but as I thought back, I have a very clear picture. I have a very clear picture of the first block being laid at the church. Very clear picture. The first one, that first block being set, you know. But my picture is that that block represents Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. And then everything else is built around that. Everything else is built upon that. If you look at the picture in your handout um, on the back, it's got a picture of a wall. And at the bottom is the word forgiveness. And that's what we're going to talk about today because I believe that is a critical building block for today. Critical building block. It's, it's going to be so important that we start with forgiveness. You know, after events in our life that don't go the way we want, I don't care if it's personal, I don't care what it is, if events in your life don't go the way you want, if things seem to go against you and work against you, you have a decision to make. You have a decision to make. You have a decision to make about how you're going to deal with that. If we don't deal with it with forgiveness, something else will take place in our foundation. And if you don't put forgiveness there, other things are going to get in. There's going to be things like bitterness, anger, resentment, revenge. And if those things become a part of the foundation, whatever is built is not going to last. Whatever is built is not going to last. You can't build on that. You can try to build on that stuff, but it will not last. I don't care you know, if it's your marriage or your Whatever it is, you try to build on it, it won't last because that foundation will always have a weak spot. There will always be a weak spot there. And what I've noticed is those weak spots a lot of times start to magnify. They start to magnify. The Bible says bitterness can become a root. And, you know, if we're not careful, you know, you get bitterness and all of a sudden it gets rooted. And I always have a picture of, of that inside of us. And it gets root, rooted and it gets entangled in us. 
And we can say, well, I'm going to move on. But what happens is you come up to the next situation. You come to the next relationship. And that bitterness is still there. And so that affects your next relationship. And so we have to build on forgiveness. It has to become a part of our foundation. Or it becomes a weak spot. It'll adversely affect everything we do. And, you know, we might say, well, why wouldn't you forgive? I suppose some, some ways it seems obvious. Well, of course you would forgive. And sometimes I think we say it because it's the right answer. You know, there's sometimes in life, if somebody asks you a question, you, you can give the answer because, well, I know what the right answer is. You know, the, yeah, of course. But sometimes we struggle with, well, I still don't know. I think sometimes we don't want to forgive because I've been wronged and I want somebody to pay. I want somebody to pay. Somebody ought to pay for this. Somebody ought to pay, and I, and I want to hold them accountable. I want to hold them accountable, and I want, to, I want to make them. I want to make them pay. Sometimes I don't want to forgive because they didn't say they were sorry. Well, I'd forgive them if they said they were sorry. Well, we have a very good example of that. Jesus took a beating. It says he was beyond distinguishing who he was. And then he hung on a cross. And while he's hanging on a cross, those people didn't say, oh, forgive us for putting you on the cross. We're really bad. I'm sorry we hung you on the cross. I shouldn't have done that. We shouldn't have done that. While they were hanging him on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Nobody said, I'm sorry. Nobody said, oh, I shouldn't have done that. He said, Father, forgive them. That's what we got to do. We got to learn to forgive. Nobody has to say they're sorry. I don't have to, they don't have to draw blood. You know, sometimes we want them to, you know, we're like, well, let's, you know, let's make this real serious. So I know we don't have, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that. You can forgive no matter what. You can forgive no matter what. Sometimes I don't want to forgive because they might do it again. Now, I've said this before and I'll say it now. I'm talking about a lot of things, but I'm not talking about abuse. Okay. I just want that clear. You know, it's not, I'm not telling somebody that's in, in a situation, if you're in a marriage and it's physical abuse, and you go, well, the pastor said I should just forgive, and okay, I forgive you, and then you get same problem every week or two. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, we need to, we need to be willing to forgive. On the same token, I can forgive, but that doesn't mean I have to leave myself in the position to let it happen again either. There is a time when I think you say, okay, I don't have to do this. But I still forgive. I still forgive. And they may do it again. It may happen again. Sometimes, sometimes we're hesitant to forgive because, oh, if I do, it'll happen again. I hate to make myself vulnerable. You know? Vulnerable? I think as a Christian, I don't think we have any choice, personally. I think we can hide and we can say, okay, that's it. And some people, some people have that reaction. Well, 
I'm just going to pull away. Or, you know, if you went through a bad marriage, I'm never getting married again. I've had it, you know, and because I don't want to be vulnerable. My experience in life is that we're all pretty vulnerable. You know, just appears to me like we're pretty vulnerable. But it also appears like, you know, we can forgive, we can love because that's the example Jesus set for us. Sometimes I don't want to forgive because I don't feel like it. If you're going to go by feelings, you probably won't feel like it, to be honest with you. Somebody said to me today, how do you feel? You know, how do you feel? I have lots of feelings. I have feelings, all kinds of them. I said, I feel happy. I feel sad. How do I feel? Well, you know, you can't. You can't decide what you're doing based on your feelings. If you wait till you feel like forgiving somebody, you probably won't. You probably won't. Sometimes you start by forgiving by starting at a point saying, I know I need to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I need to forgive. And I start there. And I'm willing to forgive. But then you feel guilty because I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. But you press on, and you keep doing it, and you keep committing to that. And sometimes something will come back, and you go, oh, oh, I need to forgive. I need to forgive. I need, I need to do what God wants me to do. And, and I believe obedience, obedience will take care of those feelings over a period of time. And you do it out of obedience. I forgive because Jesus forgave me. In Romans, the fifth chapter, Romans, the fifth chapter, the sixth verse, it says, for when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone might dare to die. But God demonstrates his love towards us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He looked at us and said, you're not worthy. You're a rotten scoundrel. And he died for us. He saw us in our condition. The hardest thing I've had to do so far, and this is kind of, you know, sometimes you, life has surprises. The hardest thing I've had to do so far is say goodbye to the kids on the bus on Wednesday night. And so Wednesday night, I knew I needed to tell them, hey, I'm not going to be riding a bus no more. And I got on the bus, and we're heading back to Bradner. And these kids, these little ones, the littlest ones, I don't know. It was really kind of strange. But before I said anything, they kept wanting to hug me. And it just kind of bugging me. I mean, you know, I'm like, don't do that. You know, and they just kept coming. They just, they, and they just kept, three or four of them, it was not like a huge crowd. But three or four of them, they just kept wanting to hug me. And I was like, oh, oh. And I was like, well, and, I, and then I told them, and, and they got off. Now, on the back of the bus, I've got about a dozen or 14 teenagers who are foul-mouthed. I mean, they are just awful. I worked in a, the other day I went to a truck repair place. Oh, Dave's stories, I'll tell you where it was. And uh, I was messing around over there doing something. And he said, well, you can come back here and help. But he says, it's going to be kind of, you know, the language will be a little, well, I'll tell you what, the language is a lot worse on the bus than it was over Dave's stories. 
<laughs> anyway, so I just was dreading this. And so I told them, I said, well, I'm going to be leaving. And, you know, and they started swearing at me. I mean, they cut loose. I'm like, whoa, why were, you know, why were they doing that? They were angry. That's how they expressed their anger. And they were letting me have it. And then they hugged me. You got to understand that. You know, they were just expressing themselves. That's how they expressed themselves. I, I don't approve of it, but that's how they expressed themselves. You know, but God demonstrates his love. And just like they are in their filthy mouths, God loves them. And so I love them because he demonstrates that love. And without a filthy mouth, I'm the same as they are. I'm no better than them. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Theirs is more obvious. We hide it. <laughs> you, know? You, know, you don't have to look for theirs. It's right out there. I don't know how many times I say, uh, we don't talk like that. And they just kind of look at me. You know, they, okay. They're like, okay. But, but that's, you know, that's while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. So we forgive. We forgive because he forgives me when I did not deserve it. I didn't deserve it. You know, and no one's beat me to death yet and hung me on a cross. You know, I think sometimes you got to step back and think, oh, life is so hard and all. And I guess I got to step back sometimes and get a perspective on it. Let's see. Compared to hanging on a cross and being beat to death, eh, probably this isn't that big of a deal. You know, I mean, it is, but it's not. It's not. And sometimes you got to step back and look at life and say, wow, is this that big of a deal? And then I believe, who do we forgive? Who do we forgive? And I believe the most obvious person isn't always the one that gets forgiven. The person I found the hardest to forgive is usually yourself. That's been my observation. There's many a time, and I believe that, you know, the Bible says that Satan's the accuser of the brethren. And I believe he takes opportunity to accuse us and say, who do you think you are? Who, look what you did. And it's hard to forgive myself sometimes. Forgive myself. And I believe that's one of the most important things we do is forgive ourselves because God has forgiven us. Because he's forgiven us. I can forgive myself. I can forgive myself. And then I think, you know, we've got others to forgive. I think it's good to consciously think about it. I believe there's a process that we consciously think about it. I believe I've seen people, you know, have a, make a list, sit down and make a list of those who have wronged you. I've heard of, you know, let's burn them. We could have a bonfire. You know, we could throw all the names in a bonfire to kind of be a picture. We could put all the names in a, in a bucket and say, okay, I forgive. I believe that that's good because it shows us and reminds us that God, when he forgives us, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. You know, forgiveness 
removes those things as far as the east is from the west. And then I believe as we go through that process, then we're healthy to move on. If we don't go through the process, it's going to be a bad foundation. It's going to be a bad foundation. It may take some time. The Bible says that we're to do good to those who treat us wrongly. You know? Sometimes we're surprised when we find out that it wasn't just enough to forgive somebody. It wasn't just enough to forgive. Now i got to be nice to them. Sometimes people say, I can, I can forgive, but I just want to stay away from them. I don't want nothing. I don't want to be around them. The Bible says that we need to do good. We need to do good to those who wrongly hurt us. That sometimes is a process. Sometimes a process. It doesn't always come real quick. It always it doesn't always come real quick. I want you to look at Philippians, the third chapter, the twelfth verse. Maybe next week we'll have words up. We're not sure, but we might have them. Um, Philippians, the third chapter, that beginning at the 12th verse. The Apostle Paul says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which lie behind and pressing forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I believe as, as we go through that process and we forgive, then we press on. You know, the Bible says forgetting what lies behind. You know, it's not to say you'll never remember things or you'll never, you'll never think about it again. But we need to press on. We need to, we need to know what God wants us to do. This is not going to be exactly like it was before. You know? It's hard in our minds sometimes to say, well, that's how we did it over there. That's how we will do it here. I'm not telling you that. I don't know. We need to know what God wants for us now. Where, how are we going to forget and go forward? Not that, the, not that what we're forgetting is all bad, but we're in a position now that we're moving somewhere else and the direction's a little different. I don't know what it is. Now, if that scares you, hang on. I don't know. I don't know for sure. I, I can't say. I can, but I do know, I do know that if we're listening, I believe God will show us. We're not going to do it perfect. You know, sometimes we think church is perfect. Obviously, it's not. You know, I understand all that better than maybe a lot, you know. I've never, never in my wildest dreams thought church was perfect. Only because we end up there. That's the main reason, you know. But, you know, we need to forget what lies behind and press on. We need to know what God's saying to us. I always say that 10 years from now, I'll bet you that we will look back and say, that's what that was all about. I'll bet you. 
I don't know what that answer is. But I'm willing to bet that 10 years from now, we'll say, oh, that's why that was all about. And it's always hard to judge. You know, you'll make decisions in your life. You'll say, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then maybe it doesn't work. It doesn't work out. It doesn't work out the way I thought. You know, but you don't know. You don't know. I never in my wildest dreams thought the other night I would walk across that yard that I've walked across a thousand times and that I would resign. Never in my wildest dreams. There was times when I thought, you must be crazy. You know, there's those thoughts. It's like, what? You know, it, it, it was just bizarre. It was bizarre. But I believe that's what I needed to do. And, and I could do it. But it was just such a strange feeling. You know, it's just so strange as I contemplated that. But you know what? Great memories. Great memories. Lives touched. People changed. And I believe that's going to continue. I believe it will continue in both places. My prayer is that there's two healthy churches. That's my prayer. You know, that out of this, we'll look back in 10 years and go, wow, that was good. You know, and I believe life is like that a lot of times. And, you know, if five years out, we go, boy, that was a big mistake. Well, then I guess we'll back up. I don't know. You know? Right now, I'm kind of blown away. Right now, I'm just kind of messed with. <laughs> you know? I had, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. You know, as, as you're going through the week, you know, you know, I talk to Jeff a lot because, you know, we've been talking a lot, obviously. And, and uh, you know, we would say, well... I think maybe, you know, this person said they want to come. And it wasn't like we were trying, but, you know, you know you're kind of thinking, well, well, maybe we'll meet in Jeff's basement. <laughs> well, that wouldn't have worked. But, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of thinking, well, I don't know. And so you're, you're trying to kind of figure out where we, sh you know, we found, you know, Paul and Brian, bless their hearts, they've been great. I mean, it's, it's just, they've been wonderful, wonderful to allow us to come here and rent the building they didn't. You know, we're paying to be here, but, but you know, they allowed us to do that. And so, you know, you're kind of thinking, well, you know, 30, 40 people probably, I don't know. And then sometimes it'd be like, well, maybe it sounds like it could be 70. Well, I better put up, I better put up 80 chairs. So I put up 80 chairs. So I'm saying all to say, I really don't know what's going on. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know, it's, it's, I didn't know what to expect. And, and you know, if there would have been 10, 15 people here, that would have been okay. I, I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, you know, I didn't know. And so now we move forward and do what God's called us to do. And, and I don't know. I don't know. I was interested in this. I, I'll just let me share a few personal thoughts. I was interested in this. <laughs> um, personally, this is just me, so don't say God said. 
Okay, this is Ron Merritt talking. Um, I think, and I, I, I won't be surprised in the future that church is going to look a lot different. I won't be surprised if that happens. It was interesting to me that, you know, in four or five days, we could, we could assemble and have church. I'm not so sure that the time won't come when you may not have four or five days. I don't know. That's just, that's just me, you know, that, you know, maybe it's a good practice run, <laughs> you know, like all of a sudden something might happen. You say, wow, oh, you know, let's get together these five families that live pretty close and let's meet because that's all you can do. That's not impossible. I know I'm not saying thus says the Lord, that's what's going to happen. But, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, at this moment in time, at this moment in time, I'm not saying it can't change. Um, I have no vision of plant, of building a building. I'm not saying we won't. I don't know. I look around and think, I mean, we got one problem. Well, it's not a problem, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, we got room, but, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, we, we don't need, we don't need a building. You know, can we use can we use our resources to reach the community and the kingdom of God expand better if we don't have that? Just a thought. I'm not telling you I'm not telling you that, you know, down the road we may say, well, we need to do that. I don't know. I have no clue. I have no clue. But I know that it's more important that we do what God wants us to do and touch and reach the hurting people around us. People are hurting, 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 and they need hope. That was part of the reason for new hope. I personally believe the world around us has no hope. They are hopelessly lost and becoming more and more evident all the time. They have nowhere to turn, nowhere to turn. They're angry, they're confused, they're searching. I believe that we as the church have the opportunity to share hope with a hopeless world. And so that's what I believe God's called us to do. How that all plays out, I don't know. I can't say at this point in time. You know, my mind's, my mind's done a whirl in four or five days, so I have no clue, you know, um, beyond that. But I do know that God will guide us. He will show us what to do. He will direct us. And he will help us. But we have to lay a good foundation. I'm going to be sharing a while on foundations, things we build on. You know, there's some, a lot of obvious foundations that we need to build on. Parts of that foundation. What makes a strong foundation? What makes a foundation that can stand the storms of life? Because life has a lot of storms. A lot of storms. It looks to me like the storms are getting more. It looks like things are stirring. And I believe it's a good time to sit and look at our foundations. Because if the foundation's weak, you're not going to endure the storm. You're not going to endure the storm. And I believe, you know, we have opportunity to, in our personal lives and in the church to look at that and step back. You know, sometimes it's good to be 
put in situations where you have to trust the Lord. I believe sometimes we get too comfortable. I, I like comfort. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like comfort. I like ease. I like everything to be good. I like everything to be peaceful. That's my pick. I also know that God sometimes has to make it uncomfortable for we'll move. You know, I, we're not moving unless it gets pretty uncomfortable. You know, and we're kind of like, oh. And then I think, wow. I was sort of I was sort of comfortable in retiring. I was, you know, finding my way through that, I guess, you know, semi-retired. I don't know. I could never tell people. They say, well, how's retirement? I go, well, I'm semi-retired. I don't want what, half retired, I guess. I don't know. I was I never could explain that. Well, I can't even now I don't even know how to explain it. You know. Now it's out of my realm. But you know, it's okay. It's okay. You know, I believe God knows the future. He knows the future. We just have to deal with now. And we have to forgive. And so I want to just take a moment and I want to just let us just pause and think about people. Because it's usually people. I don't know of anything else you're going to forgive unless it's your dog and cat. And I hope it's bigger than that. <laughs> but, you know, let's just think about, you know, seriously think about people. And you can name, it's good sometimes to name them in our heart and say, Lord, I forgive so-and-so. I forgive them. And then let God just minister to us. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to forgive. Help us to be people of forgiveness. Lord, help us to build strong foundation in our lives and in the church. So that, Lord, when the storms of life come against us, that we can stand those storms. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to forgive those who have hurt us or wronged us. And Lord, as we come before you, just hear our prayer and hear our cry. Lord, we, we thank you that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where there's forgiveness, there's freedom. Lord, we want to be free to follow you and serve you. So, Lord, we just pray that you would just speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to be faithful to you. Lord, there's so many things ahead of us as a church that we, we don't know the future and everything ahead of us, but, Lord, we trust you. We trust you to guide us and show us the way. Lord, help us not to run too fast and get ahead of you. Help us not to be too slow and get behind you. Lord, just guide us every step. Lord, I just pray that you would just uh, continue to minister to us. And Lord, I pray if anyone has a need for prayer, Lord, if they have a need to pray, that you'd encourage them to come up. And uh, Tom and Pam Zebold are going to be up front. And Lord, I pray that they might come up and let Tom and Pam pray with them. Lord, we just thank you for, for all that you're doing in our lives. And Lord, just help us to listen and hear from you. We just pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.